coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. Yeah, if you don't make all your millions, body, that you've already made and all this kind of stuff, just let us know. Come and hang out with us bums who's broke for a while. I looked at that outfit and I said, if he has alligator shoes on or ostrich shoes, <laughs> I'm walking out of here. You know, I just got used to Trader Joe's, so I never heard of Wegman, but that's okay. I, I'm going to keep hanging around with you guys. I'll tell you what, you come with us, we're going to show you some stuff. All right, good, good, good. <laughs> There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any black the, people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, not Bill? Not one. Come not on, Bill, one. you got to have one, a nope. token black person, a token. And there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids, and I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Father God, we just come to you just saying thank you for peace of mind. You know, just so many good things are happening in spite of and because of. So we just want to say thank you for you being you. And please continue to guide our steps. In Jesus' name we pray and believe. Amen. 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 Uh, dear Heavenly Father, just uh, thank you for bringing our guest in, Marty. And uh, uh, he's a great, great friend of Odell and ours in the city of Greensboro. And uh, we thank him for taking time to sit down with us and, uh, and talk about common ground. Amen. Lord, thank you for um, independent thought. Thank you for allowing us to... Um, live in your grace, but be responsible for our own actions. Uh, thank you for allowing us to communicate with each other and share ideas and, uh, and strive to learn and improve ourselves uh, to be better for you. Amen. Amen. Bill, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing good. You having a good week? Man, I had a great week. You know, we had the event yesterday with Ishmael and Welfare Reform. It was just great. Thank you for coming. You great guests. We just had a ball, you know. And when you look at the suit, Bill, the suit, Bill, the suit, pinstripe on pinstripe on pinstripe. <laughs> look pretty. You look pretty. <laughs> Real pretty. Listen to you. Uh, uh, ish man i'll tell you what i didn't know he was such a superstar i thought he was just a photographer that went with us to israel nah nah <laughs> nah 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 you know it's interesting when you meet people like ish and our guest today you have renaissance men people who just they just go to their own drumbeat you know yeah. and that's why i'm excited about our guest today because one thing about it you think you know, and that's the great thing about common ground. You think you know someone, but you don't know. Mm. And a lot of time our biases, our prejudice and our stereotype will say, you know, Odell, a good looking black guy must be like this. And then I break out in that pinstripe suit like yesterday, Bill, not, not the traditional pinstripe, just for the audience. Let, let me explain. No, no, no. I'll let Bill explain 
Odell's outfit yesterday. Well, the only thing that I, I looked at that outfit and I said, if he has alligator shoes on or ostrich shoes, <laughs> I'm walking out of here because he was decked out. He was styling and he had his groove on and he was sitting between uh, he was sitting on the other side of uh, Congressman Mark Walker and they talked a little politics. And uh, so it was it was great. Great to see you and your wife. Bev was there, sat with my wife. We put the women at a different table. You notice that. OK, and, uh, I'm not going to touch that, Bill. No, I'm not no, going to touch that. You don't want to go down that road, huh? But, you know, yesterday was a festive mood. I was excited about everything. And just like I'm excited about our guest today. So, Bill, how do you how do as you introduce our guest, how do you describe this young man who he marches by his own drum beat. But I think, you know what? I think he has his own drums with his sticks in his back pocket, Bill. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I uh, saw his name on a lot of signs uh, with uh, real estate for lease. And I'm thinking, who is this guy, Marty Cotis? Who is this guy? I said, you know, he's got to be an old guy. <laughs> I think he's probably about 75. And, you know, he's got all this real estate and and then uh, John Hardister called me up and he says, hey, you want to go lunch with Marty and I? And we went to one of his places, Burger Warfare. And I go, holy cow, this is a young, good looking guy. Not as good looking as you. Oh, OK. Go, wait a minute now. Wait a minute now, Bill. You get ready to get me a little upset because Burger Warfare. I when I met us, Yes, I yes, yes. I went out there and Burger Warfare is like, wow, you know, just the way that just the way Marty thinks. He doesn't think like everybody else. Yeah. He doesn't build square boxes. His his creativity with his restaurants and his theme. Uh, I think it's called kick-ass concepts and uh, that's just the name alone tells you what it is. <laughs> and uh, so we're going to let him talk here in a minute and introduce himself. Uh, but I want to, I want to tell you, I remodeled our office. I don't, or our, you see, I got the, Oh, the, look at our yeah. studio. Oh yeah. man. We have a Michael Jordan, just for the audience. We have a Michael Jordan Jersey out there. We have a gentleman smoking a cigar, look like some uh, adult beverage in there. We have some, sign autograph basketballs and we have the big old eagle and i look over here and we got a good looking black guy on the wall who's that oh well, oh my fault that's me <laughs> well you know something we're missing what we got to bring pictures of our wives and put in here you bring uh, you bring one you bring one i'm gonna bring one and that way if they come they know we're behaving I thought the studio was like the man cave. I thought I thought part of well, we'll turn the pictures around. Don't worry. Okay. I thought part of common ground was the man cave, but maybe not. You know, we're getting ready to get ourselves in trouble. <laughs> Bill, let's let's bring our guests in because you're yeah. getting ready to get me in trouble into the holidays. Cause why could a good looking black man be in the doghouse for the holidays, Bill? Yeah, yeah, we don't want that. We want that. Well, Marty, welcome to to our podcast. And uh we, we'd like you to introduce yourself a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having well, me. One one thing I want to say, you have a great voice for this, man. Oh man. You, if you, if you make, don't make it in real estate, come on in. We'll, we'll hook you up. Yeah. If you don't make all your millions body that you've already made and all this kind of stuff, just let us know. Come and hang out with us bums who's broke for a while. Oh, I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I tell people I wear a few different hats. So one is uh, commercial real estate. I develop shopping centers around the Carolinas. Second one is uh, I'm in hospitality. So I've got restaurants, restaurant group, theater, brewery. And then uh, third hat is uh, uh, I serve the UNC system. I uh, have served on the board of governors and now the uh, trustees at Chapel Hill. And then my fourth and favorite hat is uh, street art. And I've uh, sponsored and curated about 300 different street art installations. Today, we've got a young fellow, uh, Noah Barnett, who's over at Roses at Conan Summit painting the whole front of that shopping center. It's going to be impressive. And then Ramon Bardwaj up at um, Pisgah Church painting a Squid Games mural, the wow. red light, green light. Wow. 
Did y'all watch uh, Squid Games the uh, the whole series? I, I didn't, but what, what, where I fall, fell in love with you was when you put black cowboys. I, now let me explain to the audience. Here I am, Odell. Black as black can be. Love it. I'm riding down the highway and I look over to the left and I'm like, black cowboys. And then for the grand opening, they actually had black cowboys on horses. I mean, I'm like, Marty, 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 black cowboys. Marty, where did that come from? So that came from a lovely person, dear Coulter, who was honoring her grandfather, who was a black cowboy. And, you know, obviously, uh, I saw a lot of John Wayne's growing up, but I didn't see a whole lot of black cowboys on the big screen. And she wanted to point out that no, the numbers were significant and celebrate the contributions of black cowboys and show that there were still black cowboys today. So we did, we we're going to start off with a little mural, but then it turned into a 200 foot long mural. Wow. And uh, she painted for about three weeks over there. And then to celebrate, uh, we uh, brought in a uh, two different black cowboy groups and the most impressive was this young kid, probably about nine with a broken arm Wow! who was riding around standing on his saddle where I would have fallen all promptly and broken my arm. <laughs> but uh, even with a broken arm, he's, uh, he's riding around there. Wow. Wow. So, That's so Bill, amazing. Bill, and I don't even want to ask him the question, Marty, who paid for all this? <laughs> well, I, I sponsor all these myself. And the reason I do is I don't want to have to get other people involved and go through a lot of the hassle. Uh, so we try and make it easy for artists when they come in, we prepare the wall for them, uh, paint the base colors, bring in lifts, uh, pay them an artist fee, put them up in our own artist loft and, um, and try and uh, support them in their efforts to share artwork with the people. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, Marty, we're going to put on uh, our, our podcast site when we do this uh, podcast, we'll put a link to all these things. I went on your website so people can go and check it out and see some of the photography. Uh, one of the things I was going to ask you is you're in real estate, I know, and you got restaurants. How does a young person get started in your industry? And how did you get in, started? In which one? Yeah, <laughs> so let's so as a, yeah. in the restaurant side, as a young person, how I got started was as a dishwasher uh, when I was 12 um, in a, uh, a business that uh, was Captain John's Seafood on Battleground Avenue. And, uh, this was in 81 and I was washing dishes and then I moved up to a bus boy and then I moved up to a fry cook and what's great. And eventually up to saute and expo, but you can move up in the restaurant business. And I, one of the things I love about it in construction is someone with very low skills can start in, can gather skills and move up and be very successful. And it's all driven by their hard work. And so that, that opportunity for advancement and getting people with low skill start is uh, what speaks to me about those two oh, areas. Man, that's, that's a great story. You know, it's interesting, Marty, you mentioned that. And when COVID hit, COVID hit restaurants, frontline workers. Um, I mean, that was just, that was tough. How did you handle all that? It was devastating. You know, we're, we're dealing not only with just COVID and the issues of that, but, uh, government mandates to close. And, and I know you don't like that government well, stuff. That's why he said, Bill, he said, I say, who paid for it? He said, I sponsor it. Cause I don't have time to mess with no <laughs> monkey government telling me what to do or what not to do. He's a wise man. I tell He's you a what, Renaissance man. You get, you get yeah. government involved and Holy moly. 
I call myself a libertarian leaning Republican, <laughs> uh, but uh, narrow audience. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was really tough uh, to go through that. And we didn't know when we were going to be able to reopen the, the goalposts kept getting moved and it was just a, a real tough struggle. Uh, thankfully it feels like we're coming back out of that, but now we're facing a labor shortage where people got out of the industry and I think, um, habits have changed now. And so it's just, uh, it's a challenge. Really? Well, wait now, people still eating. Now I'm still eating. So what habits have changed? What, you know, burgers don't, don't, don't mess with our burgers, Marty. Don't start bill. Let's not start cutting back. Cause you know, I didn't get this stomach for nothing. <laughs> well, the, the challenge is, um, you know, the, the supplies are costing a lot more, but you've got people that were in this industry that were working hard in it, working weekends and nights that came through COVID and said, you know, I don't know about this working nights and working weekends as much. Maybe I want to pull back and, um, and reconsider kind of quality of life issues. And I completely understand that, but it's, um, you know, we're feeling it in the industry until we can get more, uh, people back into the workforce. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I'm a big supporter of immigration reform as well, yeah. that we need to get more, uh, low skilled workers coming in to, uh, to help with the workload involved. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. I think, uh, there's an opportunity for them like you did starting out as a dishwasher and working your way up the, uh, the other question I was going to ask you is how do you get financing? How do you, how do you do that? I mean, do you have relationship with banks and do you, if you don't have credit at the beginning or you're starting out, how does that, how does that work? So now we're pivoting to real estate. So I think the thing to do what, you know, what I did, one of my first big projects, I, you know, conceptualized something. I saw what other people weren't seeing. And so I was able to go in and kind of envision that. And then I found a way through marketing materials to communicate that vision to prospective tenants. And I pre-leased a whole building before I started. And wow. so when I came into the bank, I had my construction cost. I had my tenants all lined up. I was ready to go. And that was my first big project. And um, I was able to get funding for the whole project at that bank financing. And then later I was able to refinance that. And that allowed me to pull some equity back out of the value add that I had and deploy that into new projects. They didn't teach us this in public housing in Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah. They didn't teach that. So Marty, they, so who taught you? Marty, who taught you? So, you know, I'm, I'm really thankful for, uh, I'm a product of Keenan Flagler at Carolina, uh, the business school there. And then I went on, I was the um, uh, Joseph Brine fellow at UNCG in the MBA program. And then I went through a lot of different real estate um, um, classes out there and designations, ULI, CCIM, IRAM, that uh, taught me a lot of these different skills. But a lot of it's, you know, learn on the job uh, where you have to learn how to do these things. You know, when I came and visited you in your office, um, your walls were painted like Monopoly, like a big Monopoly board. And you had, uh, was it P.T. Barnum? Yeah, P.T. Yeah. Barnum. I mean, this huge, just a big old huge picture of P.T. Barnum. Why P.T. Barnum? And with the Monopoly, all your properties, you had all of them all over the wall. Why? why what represents that? Yeah. So uh, when you come into the office or even on the outside, you'll see the kicking donkey to represent kick-ass concepts. You'll see the Monopoly reference, which references um, real estate. And it's really, you know, that is one of the first things that kind of celebrates this idea of property ownership and acquiring property. And then 
you've got to build on them. You got to build houses or hotels on them to improve them. And so I like that reference. And we use whiteboards to kind of keep track of little details on each property. And then we've got a Gordon Ramsay image in there to, to celebrate kind of the demanding, um, you know, striving for um, excellence in restaurants. And then we have a P.T. Barnum up, and that's probably my favorite. It's an original shot of P.T. Barnum and then the Hugh Jackman from The Greatest Showman uh, imagery. And that's because, you know, that's that fearless entrepreneur where you're taking a chance, you're doing something that maybe others don't believe in, but you believe in yourself and you push forward and you make it happen, which was the messaging behind P.T. Barnum. And, uh, you know, great marketer, too, because you got you to gotta sell yourself to get there, too. Those those banks aren't going to loan money to people that uh, don't believe in themselves and, and don't show that they can make things happen. Yeah. Well, that's the truth. That's the truth. Now we, we, this shows about common ground. And so one of the things we always ask our guests is how do you find common ground? You know, you in your art uh, industry and in the real estate and the restaurant, how do you, how do you do that? I think, you know, one of the ways that I find common ground is I don't, um, I don't put on any airs, uh, you know, I, I enjoy nice things and I enjoy going to do different things, but I'm not really a country club sort of guy. I'm more of, I'd rather hang out with uh, some guys after work and grab beer or something. So, you know, I think I find common ground with a lot of people in the restaurant industry and the construction industry because they're hardworking, good people. Um, I don't find as much common ground with people that I think are, are very arrogant or, um, or um, dismissive of other people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I see that in, in uh, the, the few times we've been together, I, I've sensed that that was and it's it, kind of your relationship with John Hardister as well. Uh, he's just a beer drinking buddy. John's a sharp guy. You know, I wish we had more politicians like that because he doesn't, um, it doesn't matter what sort of constituent uh, calls him. He will address the issue. It doesn't matter their uh, party affiliation. Um, he's just there to serve the people. He, he's a real servant leader, and I admire that about him. Yeah, folks, uh, John Hardister is the majority whip in the House of Representatives in the North Carolina State House. So, Marty, you never ran for or have you ran for an elected position or we just automatically say you are the mayor of Midtown. And what's Midtown all about? We hear Midtown Manhattan. What's what's Midtown? Because someone said, oh, it's a Midtown. I'm like, Midtown? Greensboro's got a Midtown? Yeah. So to answer your first question, no, I haven't run for anything like that. The closest to uh, public service I've had is this these UNC appointments, but uh, making decisions with a lot of other people is not my forte. So, <laughs> so you don't play nice with if, others? Uh, if you want to make me emperor of something, then I'll, you know, I, I could do that. But uh, but trying to cajole, the, like John's job of majority whip and trying to line up oh votes, gosh. I would never, I don't have the skill set for yeah, that. Somebody die. <laughs> yeah. So, so Midtown started with, you know, when we're dealing with retailers looking to come into Greensboro, they don't know what Battleground Avenue is. They don't know what Wendover is, but they know in most cities, a Midtown area typically is an area just north of downtown that has a cluster of shops or residential um, or offices. And so, you know, they wouldn't know Green Valley. They wouldn't know Friendly, but they know when I say Midtown, they're like, okay, that's an area that's just north of a downtown. So we started branding it. It was actually Tyler Quinn in my office um, that used to work with me that started pushing that out and he called it Midtown. 
And then for a while it was called Marty's so-called Midtown. <laughs> and then, you know, Marty wants to name it Midtown. There's not really Midtown and people make fun of it. And now everybody calls it Midtown, but that's what it, you know, just takes that persistence sometimes to. What's your to, vision for the, the, that area? I want it to be a vibrant area, similar to Raleigh's Midtown where you've got higher density. I think that's one of the challenges in Greensboro. When you drive through Charlotte or you drive through Raleigh, you see all these pretty four and five story buildings or even 10 story buildings. And it feels like a real city. And then in Greensboro, you drive around, you're like, where are all the buildings? You know, this feels like a, a, a really small town. And I'd like to, to have that sense. And really the other reason that you want these mid rise is density. So people can walk around. Uh, if you had mid-rise buildings adjacent to the greenway and you could walk downtown to work, or you could walk to a restaurant or walk to the movie theater, walk to a brewery that will encourage more of this, uh, um, walkable, uh, communities. Yeah. That, that I, t- I tend to agree with you. Um, you know, you're right. When you drive through those other towns and, and you, you and I've been to a lot of European cities and the same thing, they, they're clustered with housing and then all the restaurants are around it and you go and have your breakfast or your lunch and sit outside and have a glass of wine at night. And, you know, it's, it's, if you can pull that off in that area, that'd be fantastic. Little by little we say, you know, I always tell people I don't eat an elephant all at once. We eat it, you know, one bite at a time. So (laughs) I always, I'm trying to think of the next three things right now on my list for Midtown would be an urban grocery store, which we would build a two level parking deck and a big grocery store there getting all the artwork and the amenities along the greenway and getting the greenway complete and then adding some higher density buildings around red cinemas in that yeah. area. Yeah. You know, when you say a grocery store, it, it'd be a neighborhood. So it wouldn't be like a Wegmans or anything like that. No, I, I, I love Wegmans. I'd love to see one here. This is another high value grocery. We're not allowed to say that's okay. Uh, who, okay. But, well, yeah. when you're breaking news, you can come back and yeah. announce it. Okay. After, <laughs> after it can go public. <laughs> that's great. You know, I just got used to Trader Joe's, so I never heard of Wegman, but that's okay. I, I'm a, I'm gonna keep hanging around with you guys. I'll tell you what, you come with us. We're gonna show you some stuff. All right, good, 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 <laughs> Marty. One of the things that I've always been impressed with you is that the diversity in you, meaning the type of people you hang around with—black people, white people, green people—you know, you you hang around with everyone. But more importantly, you said you sponsor. Um, you sponsor a lot of art that look like different people. I've seen you. And I want to make sure I say the names the right way. The one right there in Midtown, Native American, that's right where I've seen the Black Cowboys. I've seen um, objects, uh, the place. And I remember you had me a part of, and I thank you, be a part of the whole piece in Eden with, with that whole thing of the Garden of Eden. It's just, it's almost like you don't see color. Yeah, no, I... It- People have asked me before the demographics of uh, the artist we work with. And I say, you know, when an artist submits to work with us, most of the time I'm looking at their Instagram feed and most graffiti artists um, are wearing masks. They, you know, came up through not wanting to be known, but a lot of times I have no idea someone's race or gender before I see them when they're painting. I just don't know, you know, we're not even talking on the phone, we're communicating via text or Instagram. So um, it's not that I'm not aware of it, but I would never hire somebody or, um, or do anything based on anything like that. I just can't imagine that. I can't imagine. And I, I know it exists out there. I've seen it 
uh, firsthand. There's a whole lot of really awful people out there. But uh, in my organization, if someone gets a job, it's because they deserve it. And if someone's going to paint with me, it's because they're a good painter. And there's nothing else um, uh, out there. Now, sometimes we have to watch content for the particular project. So like at you know, a building, if we've got a tenant there, we can't always go kind of hardcore on a subject. So sometimes we'll say, okay, you tell us a subject and then we'll match that up with a wall that makes sense. Um, especially if it's fairly controversial, but you know, at red cinemas, we've got anything from, uh, Jesus on the cross, a very graphic representation on there, uh, to the garden of Eden project up in, um, um, Eden, but also, uh, Ramon Bardwaj with a lot of his, uh, Hindu references as well. So, um, we've, we've got all sorts of people, all sorts of creeds, races, sects that are doing projects with us. How far have you went to bring a artist in from, from where? What's the furthest or the biggest project? Uh, furthest would be Australia. So you said, I like this person from Australia and I'm going to sponsor your word instead of mine. I'm going to sponsor this person to come over. And by the way, audience, I went to his uh, house once and Marty turned a huge barn into a loft that you would find Fifth Avenue somewhere. It is just gorgeous. Where do you get all these visions from, man? <laughs> Thanks. And that, you know, uh, and that loft is, is an artist loft just for artists when they come in. So Noah right now, when he's in town is uh, staying there. Uh, but that first, uh, the one from Australia was actually the first major artist I brought in. And what I did was I made a list of my top 20 artists and I started at number one. And that number one was a guy, uh, Adnate out of Australia who specialized in painting indigenous peoples. And so you had a lot of Aborigine um, uh, imagery in Australia, but in the U S it would be native American. And so I, I kind of combine that with when I was serving on the board of governors, um, I was at a Pembroke um, commencement and it was just magical. Uh, everybody, they were so nice. They had a native American flautist um, playing the flute uh, that was just, uh, otherworldly. Mm. And so we did a lot of research for Adnate before he got here, made sure we had all the permissions lined up and the right people. And we had two subjects come through one that was uh, a Lumbee ambassador. Formerly they used to call them Lumbee princesses. And then you had another, um, uh, fellow Tecumseh that, um, identifies more as uh, Tuscarora now than Lumbee. And then he, um, Adnick came back another time and did, uh, two Cherokee subjects and we connected him, I think through John with, um, the, um, uh, the leadership of the Cherokee tribe in North Carolina. And he got permission to, to photograph them and paint them. Wow. You know, you mentioned Lumbe, uh, across the street from us is Dr. Ronnie Bell. I don't know if you know that name. Uh, but, uh, he's, he's, he's a, he's a professor at East Carolina. Now I think he's at a different university, but, uh, he was the, uh, I think, one of the chairman of Maya D'Angelo's foundation when she was alive. Uh, and uh, he's a Lumbai Indian that's about 6'4". And I've never seen a tall Indian like that. And I said, is that your tribe? Is that typical of your tribe? He says, our particular branch of the tribe, yes, we're all tall. And I was thinking, wow, okay, basketball players we got here. <laughs> yeah, from the Lumbi that I know, tough as well. So very, very <laughs> tough, tough folks. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you want to... If you want somebody to back you up, you want to, you want a Lumbee in your corner. 
and very distinctive cadence of speech um, yeah. that that you can recognize yeah. as well. I told him, you know, he, he needs to be talking to you probably so he can start a casino someplace. <laughs> That's the only tribe that I think doesn't have a casino. They're, they're still seeking um, recognition and their own gaming operation. And I'm hopeful that, that they will get that recognition and the, um, and the gaming operation. Absolutely. Absolutely right. So Marty, question, all the great things you do, but you can't make everyone happy. And your demeanor is, Odell, I really don't care. So tell us about some of the battles because yes, we love it, but I'm sure everybody don't love it. People are like, Marty, here you are, you're rich, you're this, you're this. Why don't you just come and fit in with everybody else? Why don't you continue to hang out with Bill, the rich Republicans, and go to the country clubs and smoke the cigar whoa, whoa, and bourbons whoa, 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 and all that whoa, whoa. kind of stuff? You know, you know, why don't you just hang out with Bill? Bill yeah. got a couple horses. <laughs> you know, he, he he has one black friend, me, that kind of pal around with you know, them. Too, ish, you know, ish, and ish, 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 okay, ish. well, Ish is rich though. Ish yeah. is rich, so Ish is a rich black guy. I'm not so Marty, <laughs> but you don't you don't go that route. Why not? Yeah, I, I guess just because I'm more of an independent thinker and um, I, I value different perspectives and I value different people's opinions. And I don't really fit in one box or another, you know, one week I might be attacked by Democrats. Another week I might be attacked by Republicans. You know, I did this piece where we were very critical of Donald Trump, uh, where we had Donald Trump. I brought in artists from uh, Greece and, and paid commissioned for this uh, piece of art to go in. And had Donald Trump in red and a pig in blue. And oh, when you my. look through these different oh, lenses, Marty. you see different things. And I had uh, the former majority leader um, call for my resignation from the um, Board of Governors, <laughs> saying I wasn't a true Republican. And wow. I said, you know, just because I'm not drinking the Donald Trump Kool-Aid doesn't mean that I'm not a Republican. Yeah. You know, if somebody does something and acts like a pig and I call him a pig, then, you know, deal with it. Then, you know, feel free to debate me on the issue. But uh, I'm not going to be canceled by either side. And I, you know, I get attacked by liberals probably more often than not. Um, there was a, a local independent uh, paper that just trashed me for, I, I have no idea why, but <laughs> just because they want to. I think I've, I've replaced Roy Carroll as the punching bag for the, uh, Roy for the Democrats for out there. You yeah. know, they, the one they haven't gotten was Andy Zimmerman yet. They haven't picked on him. Yeah, we need to go after Andy. You know, so it, um... Hey, Andy, if you're listening, we're coming after you. Uh, Andy and I are good friends, and uh, uh, he's a good guy. He's done a lot for yeah. the city like you have. He, talk about laid back. He's super laid back. Oh, my gosh. I and he's got me. some very creative projects. He does. I, I was I was sitting, walking down the street in Greensboro, and I see this guy coming on this real funky bike. And it was Andy with a hat on, and I think... Andy, you can't afford a car. <laughs> He's got a very um, bohemian style, you know, and that comes, I think, from the uh, kayak background that he had. Yeah. Uh, but cool, cool dude. Um, but yeah, he doesn't get picked on enough. Yeah. We need, we need, we need, we need to spread well. the uh, <laughs> the attacks out there. Well, the, the, the Tanger Center, the Tanger Center is a big deal. What do you think about the Tanger Center, sir? You know, I, you know, I think there are projects like that. I love the fact that arts are being brought in and, you know, I, I've, I, I enjoy going to see Broadway shows. I, I've seen shows in London and all over the place. So I'm glad that's here. Um, I guess I'm, you know, so that's, but that feels a little bit, um, you know, when you're paying a hundred, 200 bucks for a ticket, that's a, there's a certain group that can afford that and some that can't. So I think I prefer for my particular taste, things like street art, where it's 
open to anybody and there's no ticket to be bought and you can just see it and enjoy it. Um, that I personally find rewarding. Yeah. Just folks. So, you know, what Tanger center, it's Stephen Tanger center. It's the largest performing arts center in North Carolina. They just opened it up. So it's, it's a big deal. The, uh, uh, from that standpoint, but you're right about the, the tickets. Now people can do a tour of your art. Can't they? Yeah, they sure can. So. So we've got a, a website, codastreetart.com, and we have an interactive downloadable map on there so that people can see where the art is and then go uh, visit it and find it. And they can go whenever they want. You know, we, we were in, uh, we went to Waco, Texas story and I did for a Boy Scout thing. And we stopped in uh, Magnolia Manor or whatever it's Magnolia. And uh, they give tours of all the homes that they've worked at and take you to places. And they have that, that, that has changed there's more people that come to Magnolia or Waco now for that than go to the Alamo. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's become huge and they've revitalized Waco was a sleepy little town and they've revitalized Waco. Yeah. A couple of um, uh, articles have come out now ranking Greensboro in the top 10 in the country for street art. So really, because thank you. Thank you. Well, thank the artists. The yeah. artists are the ones creating the art. Without, yeah. Yeah. You know, otherwise, you just have me <laughs> sponsoring some so stuff that's not so good. But the artists are the ones that are fantastic, especially uh, Jax that's here, based here. Mm-hmm. He's really one of the, I, I would rank him one of the top 10 uh, street artists in the world. He's based here in Greensboro, and he is just the nicest guy. But he has an eye. He did that P.T. Barnum piece. Okay. And he can see things that, you know, I just, I don't even know how you see. I, if you gave me a spray can and told me to paint, <laughs> you know, a straight line on the wall, I'd have a difficult time with that. And he's doing fades and overlay. And that wasn't complicated enough for him. So now he's doing one image on top of another image as well. Well, Marty, help me on this. You've been in Greensboro your whole life, correct? Yes. So you look at Greensboro, you look at what Odell for lack of a better term, I say the white part of town, the black part of town. We could say now the East Greensboro, West Greensboro, North, Midtown, all this good stuff. How do you see, because for one Greensboro to go forward, we all have to go forward. I know it's a lot of investment around the friendly center and the airports and everything. I don't see as much investments on East Greensboro. And I know you said, oh, well, as an investor, return on investment, blase, blase. How do you see East Greensboro or for, for the audience, the black part of town? Yeah. So the, the critical thing when retailers are looking at a location, you want to open up, let's say a new Apple store, they will pull the demographics from the area and they're looking at income. So if someone's got a a household income of 25,000 versus a household income of 200,000, that 200,000 income household can spend more. They've got more disposable money and they're not spending it just on food and base necessities. They can afford to buy other products. And so the retailers are looking really just at where they see the most dollars. Mm -hmm. And that's why you see more clusters, let's say over at friendly, because you've got Irving park and you've got star Mount right there and all the neighborhoods around it. So that's one aspect of it. Um, And they're looking for a central location where people will go. That's nearest that. Um, Now you see other projects pop up around, but Mm -hmm. they don't tend to be the same type of project. And, and an investor like you, you said, Odell, I don't like the government. So when you start build back better and a trillion dollars in infrastructure and all this kind of stuff, you're like, ah, that sounds good, but I don't think I want to touch that kind of money. Yeah. So I've, I've invested heavily in East Greensboro. I've got a project out at Wendover in the outer loop. 
I've got a project over at Conan Summit. I've got a project up at uh, Lee's Chapel and Church Street. Uh, I've got the experiential school downtown and uh, a new 11 acre project in downtown called Tracks. So um, I'm not afraid to go into these uh, pioneering markets. Really what you need though is some traffic count or you need to create a cool factor that will cause people to come in and, and visit them too. And I think we'll, we'll see that in several of the projects that we're doing. You know, it's a new cool uh, factor to your point. Then I'm throwing over the bill. Uh, Ishmael Henson, we always pick on this all the time. Um, young, aggressive investor uh, purchased a building right at the end of the Greenway. And it's like, it's your spot, you know, coffee, uh, art and all this kind of stuff. So it's going to be a destination place. So that's going to be a cool factor. Maybe we could make it real cool with a picture of me and Bill in there or something like that. So let's lobby for that, Bill, or yeah, something. That, that'll work. I, I don't think Marty, artists that come and paint you and I, anything like that on the side of a wall. I'm sure that Ishmael won't allow that to happen. But all in all, uh, Marty's just been a blessing, man. It's just been a blessing. I love your candor. I love your, you know, you're sitting down to meet with anyone and you're not going to tell them what they want to hear. You're going to tell them the truth. And I just appreciate that because you're one of these people who I like. The people who just don't deal with all the craziness and don't even go through all the political correctness, because I think sometimes political correctness gets in the way. I'm a guy who, as people know, I'm a black guy, good looking black guy. Uh, I'm a Democrat, been a Democrat my whole life. I support uh, Republicans when I think they're doing the right thing. I support Democrats when I think they're doing the right things. Many people know that Odell's fundamental statement is that I believe that the Democrats take the black vote for granted and the Republicans ignore the black vote and the black vote is caught between a political rock and a hard place. And I'm like, no, that shouldn't be the case. So I support who I think is the best man or woman for the job. Now that gets a lot of pushback. It's like, Odell, who do you think you are? And I love your concept of the independent thinker. Cause that's what I am too. Explain where did that come from? Independent thing. Cause you're proud of that independent thinker. Yeah. So, you know, I guess probably from uh, my mom saying, well, if everybody else jumped off a bridge, would you uh, jump off too? No, you know, and that, that idea of not following the herd. And I, I have found in my businesses, a lot of people kind of seek the safety of a group. When I see a group going this way, I see like a, a crash of a market happening. Um, I prefer to kind of pick my own route and um, you know, not be swayed by others. I'll listen to other opinions, but I'm, I'm not going to just go along because everybody else is doing something. And that's tough because you, you know, you get, you get pushed back and you're not seen as being a team player. If oh, you don't, uh, if you don't buy in. Yeah. I, I remember once then we could throw it the bill and we would finish off. But I remember when I endorsed a, nobody knew him, a guy, a white Republican um, pastor who was running for Congress years ago. And, you know, I, guy came and talked to me. I'm like, you know what? I like this guy. And then talked to me again. I like him. So I endorsed him. Oh my God. Oh my God. People were like, somebody need to get Odell in line. What's wrong with him? You better go get your boy. Oh, and I'm sitting there saying, and it really, it bothered me because it really caught me off guard. And it caught me off guard because some of the people who you would never think would say something like that. It's like, it's like, wh why would you do that, Odell? And I'm like, do what? Why would you endorse a Republican and you're a Democrat and you're Black? And I'm like, 
I didn't endorse a Republican because I'm a Democrat, I'm black. I endorse a person who I thought would do the best for the job. And by the way, uh, the whole time, the Democratic candidate never even reached out to me. And they people got furious. People wouldn't talk. I lost friends over that. And you know what? I almost said a bad word. I almost said a bad word. I almost said a bad word, Marty. They almost had me. They almost had me. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, I think... Um... That's probably the biggest challenge we face today is people judging each other based on labels. And I call people a lot of times slacktivists because they're not even enough to be an activist. They they're looking for a quick, easy way to vent or make a statement or, you know, not even read an article to read the headline. And that lack of conversation, the lack of curiosity to really dig into the person and learn more about them and seek common ground like y'all are doing, it's, um, you know, it's a lost art that I'm, I'm glad you're bringing back because it, it just doesn't happen much these days. Amen. Well said. You know, our country, the Constitution and the way we were founded was to have friction. I mean, the whole democracy is designed for friction, but it's good friction. It's friction that builds as opposed to tear us down. Right now, we've got friction to tear us down. Now, January 6th is a classic example. That That's not that we're supposed to have democracy. You disagree, you can run for office, you do a lot of things, but you don't go and tear up a building and threaten people. Absolutely, uh, and I, I blasted Trump that day when he started attacking Mike Pence. This is before they stormed the Capitol. And I said, this guy's lost his mind. And he's attacking his own those VP. Those the words you use, Marty? You hey, it's say on Twitter. It's on Twitter. <laughs> you look back at my time stance, see, it was before they stormed the Capitol. I was like, you know. <laughs> I, I follow him in Twitter, and I like that. <laughs> well, well, you know, they're going to call you, what's this thing they call you, a rhino? Now, they call, they call black people. They call me all kind of things, from the N-word to all kind of words. But this rhino thing, I, I don't know. What's that all about? So Republican in name only. Yeah, yeah. And it's just it's just another way to try and insult you. Oh, so that's an insult. Yeah. Okay. See, yeah. when people insult black folk, we know they insult us. <laughs> we don't have to go through and are they insulting us or not? You know, white folks would be so no. polite and y'all insulting people sometimes, Marty. But see, well, Marty ain't polite. You know, Marty's polite, but I like Marty. Marty. When Marty hits you, he wants you to know he hit you. He don't throw a rock and hide his hand. He throw a rock. He show you the rock. <laughs> and I'm going to hit you with this rock. And I want to know now what you're going to do because you deserve to be hit. And that's what you did with the president. You're like, listen, man, this is a bit too much now. Well, good people have to speak up, you know, in, in all parties. And you can't just because it's part of your tribe, because you're Republican, just give everybody a free pass. And I think that's that's my biggest problem with what happened with Trump and the Republican Party is people not pointing out that the emperor has no clothes, Amen. you know, and so I think you got to speak up now. Now, there's an awful lot of things. No one's probably going to ever accuse me of being a rhino because I'm a pretty conservative guy on a lot of issues, too. But uh, I don't uh, I don't buy one party drink and just stick with that. It's I'm going to look at each issue and consider it Good for you. You know, uh, before, as we close here, I, a couple of things and uh, uh, challenge you and Andy and Roy and some of the other big developers in town. And Ishmael Henson. Yeah, Ishmael. They don't know about this yet, but he's the young black superstar developer who's probably got a lot of properties too. We're, we're going to bring Ish on the show. So you think we get him on? You think we get him on? You got money? <laughs> <Just show up. laughs> so uh, uh, I, I'm going to challenge you at the right time. We have uh, food deserts, and I know they don't make a lot of money. I mean, I know that. You gotta, we've got to figure out how to do the cool thing, you know, to get 
the white people to want to go into the hood and buy groceries. Uh, there's a store called Stu Leonard's uh, up in Connecticut, started out one store. I think years ago, he was doing $150 million. He only carried a certain number of SKUs and it was a Disney world. And it, kids wanted to go. There was wow to cow walking around and uh, free ice cream. And, and then it just, everything was a game. And you could only go one way through the whole store. There was no aisles. And uh, he's got a couple more now. But we've got to figure a way to do something like that in the cities that the people, us white people will go to uh, and, and spend money and support it. Absolutely. You know, there was a, um, a concept in Buenos Aires I saw in their, um, in their suburbs. They had a mobile market that would go around. And it was probably like 10 trailers that were, that went into a neighborhood and brought the grocery store and the market to the people. Wow. And I really like that concept because it can go wherever it can go into uh, a lower income area and, and service people. And it can go into a higher income area and service people. And it's um, it's about convenience and it's, you can target it. Um, The, the problem is, isn't, you know, it's not developers not wanting to build something. I, I'd love to have uh, tenants in all my properties uh, in East Greensboro, of course, but you know, we've got to, we've got to attract people in and I don't run a grocery store. So we'd have to find one that's going to come in, but um, we definitely are trying to, to get more grocery stores in those food desert areas. Oh, that's and that's a passion project of mine too. Good. That's, that's outstanding. The uh, you know, you made me think about with the, the trailers, maybe we need to talk to uh, fresh market and old dominion. Yeah. See if they could do a joint venture. Absolutely. And have it arrive on your property. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think we, you know, we could base something out and send it out and it's going to be to a point where you're going to have a self-driving car or drone bringing oh, yeah. your groceries anyway. Yeah, but. that's true. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Mark, let me ask another question before Bill calls us out. You got the invitation to come on our show. You get invitations to speak and you could do just about anything you want to do. You've been blessed to be at that point. Why did you accept this invitation? Well, I respect both of y'all and I have really enjoyed our conversations and I didn't ask you what we're going to talk about beforehand because I figured I felt safe. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I need a safe space, but I didn't feel like, you know, you were going to, you know, ambush me or anything in a, in a mean spirited way, but uh, like your show name, you know, find common ground, have a reasoned discussion. And, and I'd love to have more reasonable discussions like that with people. Bill, we say all the time, we say, hey, listen, uh, we want to question you, not like you're on a witness stand, but questioning for a better understanding. And that's what we're trying to do. But, you know, one black, one white, one Republican, one Democrat. If you're not careful, people are like, okay, that's a fight. It's like like eighth grade schoolyard, a black guy and a white guy fighting, you know, and we choose not to fight. We've People have told us you all need to more, be more aggressive. And that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to get people on and say, hey, this is how I see it. How do you see it? And we're going to find a little bit of common ground. And it may be incremental, but we think over time, you know, over time, Marty and Vite Odell back to Burger Warfare and that big old hamburger that Odell likes and all this good stuff. And yeah, yeah, Odell got to have a hamburger. Yes, I know. I know. I know I could stand to lose a pound or two, but not yet. It's going to be this hamburger. Marty, I'm coming for a hamburger. And I might not do the fries, but I'm going to get a hamburger up in there. What's the best hamburger I need to order, Marty? Um, it really just depends. I like the spicy uh, burgers that we have. Uh, I love jalapenos and spice. But our warfare sauce with the tots is probably my favorite thing on the menu. So 
Yeah, I've had that. Sa- save good. up a few calories and, you know, make room for that to yeah. have those too. I and our shakes, the, the boozy shakes are, are really boozy? tasty. Boozy? Yeah. Boozy? Boozy is a term like for black folk, man. No, boozy. boozy B-O-O-Z-Y. But I know oh, okay. Okay. My fault. My fault. You know, I, I got sensitive ears. Boozy. Okay. I thought you were talking about itch there for a minute. <laughs> well, folks, we're getting ready to close out here. And Marty, it's been just enjoyable. And you're right. We had no agenda. Uh, and you were great. And, and I'll tell you what, your voice, man, it's when the uh, editor, when you're listening to this, I want you to tell me if his voice is good or not. You hear a lot of voices. Thanks again, Murray. Thank y'all. New episodes are posted every Friday. Please like, follow, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, Bill and Odell are online at commonground.show. This podcast is brought to you by Yes Weekly the triad's largest circulated and best read weekly magazine. You can also find us online at yesweekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes Weekly, your trusted news leader for local arts, entertainment, music, food, and more for nearly 18 years. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Darren Sutherland, executive producer. Jeremy Powell, creative director. Jacob Sutherland, director. All rights reserved.